Now, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is an epistle of Paul. This is a letter that Paul writes to the Corinthians. Oftentimes, the Corinthians are called his, his problem church, uh, which is why we probably oftentimes read from Corinthians is because there is no church without its problems. And, you know, I love the, the quote that Rachel gave this morning from Dietrich Bonhoeffer who talked about Jesus does not love an ideal of you or an ideal world, some kind of utopian, non-existent world. We, we do this from time to time is, is we, we have these ideals. You know, oftentimes when you go visit family, you have an ideal. Oh man, we're going to sit around and we're going to just... It's going to be fantastic. Get to see those people. By the time you're done with your visit, you're thinking, what in the world were we thinking? Why did we stay an extra day? You know, and, um, and, and nothing against family, but it's just the reality of being there. It, it sometimes crushes some of our ideals, doesn't it? And the point is, Jesus loves the real you. Jesus has died for the real world, not some utopian world, this messed up, broken world. And, and He comes for us. And so, it's, I love that there's a church in the Bible that's not just going really well. Uh, instead, they've got their problems. I, I, I love the fact that, that the Bible's honest enough to tell us that Peter didn't have it all together. That David didn't have it all together. That Moses, Abraham, all these men and women in the Bible, they didn't have it all. They didn't always cross their T's or dot their I's. They had misspelled places in their lives. That's good news for people like us. For people like me. And so, what we're going to do is read from the good news uh, of the Bible, even in a bad situation. And it was bad at Corinth. We don't have time to lay out the entire case, but we want to pick up here in uh, chapter 6 of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and, and, chapter, and in verse 12, forgive me. Notice this. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God. You are not your own. 
for you were bought with a price. So, glorify God in your body. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You for Your Holy Word. Bless now this reading of Your Word and the hearing and, Lord, the response that we might have this morning. We pray in Your matchless name. Amen. The FBI agrees with God. On this one point at least. And that is, stick up your finger real quick. And then kind of just show it to the next person over here. Now look at the very end of it. And the FBI is going to agree with God that you were made unique. So unique that they can track you down by your fingerprint. And they will do that. They've gotten pretty good at doing that. There are some other things that are very unique to us that they've picked up on as well, but that is one thing that they and everybody agrees about in the world is there is not another you. There's not another you. There can be even identical twins, and yet they are not the same. They are unique. God has created us unique. And the lesson from that is, I think this, and that is, you matter. You matter. I always find this um, interesting, at least, is uh, when I drive to work, I normally see roadkill. Uh, you know, I have like a 20-minute drive, and uh, at least to Calhoun, and, and I see various animals from week to week, you know, that are, that are you know, displayed on the side of the road. You know, I've never driven and seen just a human body just sort of out there, being passed by, driven around, try to make sure we kind of go over it so our tire doesn't hit it. Ah, you, you all of a sudden see a body, you're going to have people like the FBI and the police coming to investigate. Uh, they're, they're, this sort of thing will stop traffic. You see, again, you matter. There's a lie going around that we don't matter, that humans don't matter. There was a, there was a um, uh, stream environmentalist who wrote a book that said, The World Without Humans. That's no world at all. At least not according to God. Because as you know, as we talked about last week, connecting it to what we were doing last week with the image of God, He creates everything and puts us right at the top, the zenith. And then says to us, I want you to be managers, co-regents, rulers of this world. That's why we, that's why you matter. You matter. You matter to God. You matter to other people. You come up... I have this weird fascination with these um, investigative discovery shows. And when I get an opportunity, late at night, it's always late at night because there's too much to do and too many kids around, but late at night I watch these disappeared shows. And it just, I mean, it's fascinating that you can be here and then gone. And you know what? You come up missing, guess what? People are going to look for you. Whether you want them to or not, they will look for you. You matter. That's something that needs to be said in our culture that is depersonalizing, dehumanizing people. No, you matter. You do. Right there in the seat. You. The one with the 
individual stamp of God that says you are unique and there's not another one of you. You're unrepeatable. There's never going to be another you. You're it. (laughs) You matter and you are matter. This is what the Scripture tells us. So in other words, you matter to God, you matter to other people, but you're also made of matter. Now, we're kind of shifting the word a little bit, but it's the same idea, and that is, you see a physical representation of me. If you've ever had a loved one to die, you know that something is missing, even though the physical representation is there, that physical representation is lifeless, because we don't just have a body, we are a soul. And many people have taken over the years in religion, in history of humankind, they've said of the body, you know what? Salvation is getting rid of this body. Because this body brings us down. It gets old on us. It has these desires. It has these passions. It has to do things that we are really beneath ourselves, really. I mean, we cover up pretty nice today on Sunday, but we, you know, we really do some things sometimes that would be quite embarrassing if we, you know, behind closed doors were letting other people see these things. That's why we have privacy. That's why we have these things in place, is so that we can present ourselves nice, but boy, this body sometimes, it just, if we're honest, it drags us down. And so the idea, the lie that has been in religion for thousands of years is if we can just get rid of this body, that's what salvation is. Salvation is is getting rid of this prison that I'm in. And you even hear Christians talk like this. The body's bad. If I could just get rid. And you know what? The Corinthians fell into this same kind of thinking. It was really a Greek way of thinking. If you remember, Socrates um, was made to drink poison. He embraced the poison because he thought it would give him liberation, salvation. And we could talk religion after religion. They all agree that the body's bad and we need to get out of this body in order to be free and in order to be saved. Now, all of a sudden, in Christianity, we come to a screeching halt. The break is applied on this sort of thinking because did you ever catch rereading the resurrection story about Jesus? Did He come out as a ghost? Leaving His body still in there? Now He walked through walls. But He says to Thomas, touch here. See here. We just read, did we not, that he was cooking with charcoal. Now, I did that last night. It you you can't be apparatus, you know this this apparition, uh, not apparatus, but apparition to operate an apparatus. How about that? (laughs) Might work. A little alliteration too. Uh, No, 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 no. To cook with charcoal, you're going to have to do it with a physical body. To eat which he did, by the way, he ate the fish with them. In the breaking of the bread on the road to Emmaus, what are these stories post-resurrection telling us clearly? What about the ascension? What's happening there? He goes up 
in His body to heaven. Glorified body, yes, but still His body. In other words, you can go to the tomb today and there is no body there. Because His body is in a certain place. Namely, at the Father's right hand. We just said that in our creed. Because you are matter, you have a body. And our body is not this prison. It's not nasty and dirty, weighing us down. At least it shouldn't be. Because. Because of resurrection. Have you ever noticed, and this is just something that I'm always reminded in, in, in teaching the New Testament, especially when you contrast it to the world's religions, how powerful the contrast. The, the, the breaks come on and Jesus is affirming the body. He's saying you can't fully be saved without your body being saved. In other words, salvation is not just the forgiveness of sins. And that's normally where most, might we say, evangelical Christians leave it at. Notice how many times Paul brings up resurrection. How many times Jesus brings up resurrection in their preaching. And then notice how many times sermons today don't bring into play resurrection but rather some spiritual thing of just only the forgiveness, which oftentimes can't be seen. That's why I love I love Mark 2. I think it's a powerful pillar of our faith, Mark 2, where the guy comes to the roof, right? You remember this? And Jesus says, which one's harder to do, forgive sins or tell the man to get up? He says, to show you that I have the power to do both and that both are necessary... Your sins are forgiven. Get up. Go. In other words, He does not leave us in our paralyzed bodies and just forgive us of our sin. It must not stop there. And this is what Paul is affirming here to the Corinthians who were believing a lie. And that was this lie of food and sex. And there was a reason why I didn't preach this message on Family Sunday. (laughs) We do two things in our body and have two things in our body that really help help us live and help us live happily. And that is food, which nourishes us, which is a part of our everyday life, and our sex. Now, don't think sex is just an act because sex is more than just an act. Sex is the fact that you are a man, you are a woman. That's something that God also created, wasn't it? It is not bad to be a man. It is not bad to be a woman. Those, both of them, Genesis says, is the image of God. Not one or the other, but both of them, He created them male and female. And so... Paul here is addressing a problem in Corinth which has to do with being immoral in our sex. I mean, male and female. And and they were thinking again. Their thought was, hey, i got to eat. Hey, I have to get pleased. And so if i got to go take care of that, I can do that. 
just like I do with food, and yet still be right with God. And Paul says, wrong. Wrong. You cannot. What you join sexually, you become one with. You cannot put Christ then with a prostitute. Not going to happen. Cannot happen because you are not your own. You have a body, but it's been given to you by God. We are to care for this body. Most of life is spent caring for this body. You've done things this morning. I can tell you've done things this morning to care for your body. You can tell when someone hasn't done things to care. My kids come to the ballpark the other day. They had obviously not done anything to care for their bodies. They looked awful. Actually, like I didn't even know them. Just standing there. They're walking around. I'm like, kid. Who in the world is that kid? I'm just kidding. God has gifted us with a body. And our body matters. Paul says, what you eat matters. What you do with your body matters. And those two things right there are normally sins that sometimes are not talked about in church. And yet must be. And yet must be. You know, again, I I implore you, honestly, this is something that has literally Lent changed my life this time. It wasn't Lent, it was the Holy Spirit working within self-denial. And that is, I had never consistently, this is a confession, I had never consistently fasted in my spiritual life, if you will. And again, don't think spiritual life is without the body because fasting is very bodily. And yet it affects our spirit. What we do in our body affects our spirit, our soul, and vice versa. What we do in our soul affects our body. Talk to any psychologist, they can tell you this. You know, I talk to psychologists. Read the Bible, read Paul. And so God has gifted us, and He said, you know what? As Paul says here, all things are lawful, all things are open to do. But you must not come under the authority of anything in particular. You must overcome and you can. The good news is you can overcome because notice the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now, there's really no needed commentary on how clear Paul is there. So the point is, right now, you matter, and you are matter, and you're responsible for your matter. Again, the FBI and the police and the authorities can help you be responsible when you're not responsible. Won't they arrest your body? They don't just arrest your soul. Hey, you got a bad soul, we're going to kind of, you know, just just work with the soul without the... No, no, they're going to take your body into custody, right? Because your body matters. What you do in your body matters. And it's a good indication what you're doing in your body, what's happening in your soul. In other words, the fruit that is coming out, is being produced, has a root. Has a root. Now, here's the thing that we normally don't like about salvation. And that is, we just want a quick fix. We don't want God to really heal our problem. We just want the forgiveness of sins and so we can be on our way. But 
any good physician is not just going to put a band-aid on cancer, but rather wants to deal with the root problem. You know, you go in because you have these symptoms, right? That's how we typically end up at the doctor's office. We have these symptoms. But the symptoms have a root. When you begin to see certain symptoms in your life, bearing fruit in your life, and you say, ah, that's not really me, I'm not... You need to check the roots. They have roots. And some of them need to be uprooted. Some of us need to begin, as we talked about last week, need to start planting seeds of the Gospel so that they might bear fruit in our life. Isn't this what Jesus is talking about in John 15? If you are connected to the vine, you will bear fruit. It's not something of, you know, some Christians don't and other Christians... If you are connected to the vine, you will bear much fruit. If you're not, we need to recheck the connection, don't we? I mean, that's what they tell you anytime you call. You say, hey, my receiver's not working. My cable's not working. Oh, can you check the power? Oh, 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 there you go. It was unplugged. Some of us are unplugged. And we're saying, I don't know why I can't do good works. I don't know why I can't. You'll never be able to do it in your own power. Amen. Even when you do, it'll be a lie. You won't be able, you'll run out of gas. But the Spirit, if the Spirit lives in you, the Bible says the Spirit is like gushing waters continuously flowing out of us. We won't even have to put on a show anymore. It'll be naturally we love people, we forgive, we're merciful. We're compassionate. We're giving. When we something we're forcing ourselves to do, it'll be something that comes out because that root has taken root in our life. That seed has come to fruition. And you know, we're called to live as more than conquerors. Not as defeated Christians. That's good news. We don't have to live in our sin and addiction, we can be freed. What is impossible for God? You matter. And you are matter. And matter matters. You follow this? Matter matters. So what does that mean? It means that it's going to matter what you do this week. It's going to matter what you do today. We affect each other in such deep ways that it really can't be ferreted out properly. Not in a book. Not detailed out online or on social media. We affect each other in ways that we don't even understand by how we live by how we talk to each other, by how we even look at each other. And we're going to be held responsible for what we do in our body. Did you notice? Again, narrating, every knee will bow. You notice it wasn't every soul will bow? Every spirited ghost-like figure will bow? No. Every, because you're going to get your knees back. 
You just had Forrest Gump pop him up. Lieutenant Dan, you got new legs. You know, remember? <laughs> Billy Coppage preached to us a few years back, and I'll never forget what he said. He said when he was preaching in Africa, this lady had come up to hear him preach, and um, she had been burned and beaten by a group of men that, come, that would normally come in and chop off your arms. You know, just it's civil war in certain places in Africa is brutal. This is near the Sudan border. <clears throat> and he was preaching and he was just thinking to himself, he said, what do I have to offer to her? She's been disfigured. I mean, I, good health here, not there. What, what do you offer to somebody like You know what you offer to somebody like that? You know what you offer to someone who's paralyzed? You know what you offer to someone who's had something trapped? Resurrection. Resurrection. You're going to get a glorified body. That's what the promise is. That's what Jesus shows to us. He walks out in a body. That's what salvation is, is His body. His way. Notice that Paul was looking for those of the way. What way? His way. Guess who shows up to it? His body. It's by His stripes that we're healed. It's by His blood that we are forgiven. His body. And if you're not connected to His body, and I mean that in more ways than one, Because this is a body. Right here, this church is a body and part of the body. We get to do a certain job. We have a certain personality within the body. We have certain things we do that other churches don't do and that they do that we don't do. And I love it. We're not trying to be like another church. This is one expression of the body. And it's His body. And if you're not a part of His body, you're not a part of Him. I don't know how it's made clear. He's the head of this body. That's why it's honestly unthinkable that you could be in His body and separated from His body. How does that even work? It doesn't work. You are not your own. When Jesus came in a body, here's what He said. This is my body. Given. To you. What does our culture say? This is my body. I'll do what I want. Quite a contrast, isn't it? The main argument for abortion. Killing of the unborn. The weakest. The most innocent. Is this is my body. Do what I want. Jesus says, this is my body. Do what you want. What the contrast there. Look at that contrast. And you know what He calls us to do? Be His body. So now we do the same. We say, this is my body. Paul in Romans chapter 12 says, be living sacrifices. You ever thought about that real quick? Living? You know what sacrifice is? Slaughtered. Dead. Living Sacrifices unto God. 
You matter. What you do matters. Your matter matters. And so it matters what you do next. How you respond to God. Even this morning. Because here's Paul's final word here, and mine as well. So, glorify God in your body. The way we do that best is to give our body to Him. He can save even our body. And that, my friends, is good news. Resurrection is good news. Unlike any other religion in the world, no one has ever thought about that except for Jesus, who is the resurrection and life. And He offers it to us today. So receive that. Amen.